Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means shaking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your own reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hello, and welcome back to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. Today on the show, we have TikTok viral sensation, Alex Stepantowski. So Alex has absolutely exploded on TikTok in the past year or so, going from zero to 10 million followers. Alex reveals all in this interview exactly how he did that, but just to give you a quick rundown, Alex went from working in an insurance business to quitting that starting his own personal brand, starting his own journey as a photographer, and within less than a year, about 10 months, amassing over 10 million followers on the biggest social media platform in the world right now. So it's absolutely crazy stuff, and Alex and Rob have a real uh, open, diverse conversation about personal brand, about social media, all in this interview. So if you wanna see the video version to this particular podcast, head over to YouTube and subscribe to the Rob Moore YouTube channel. You can watch this along with all of our other disruptive interviews. But enough for me, let's just get straight on with it. But remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Hi, it's Rob Moore here. Welcome to The Disruptive Entrepreneur. Now, I am very excited and privileged to have a very special guest. Now, actually, we met in a clubhouse room. Now, if I'd have said that 20 years ago with a jacket like this, that would have sounded quite weird. Um, but we met in a clubhouse room with Lewis Howes, um, really loved Alex's story. We connected and here we are. And uh, Alex is a, a viral sensation. Um, he's a huge TikTok. I, I, none of us like the word influencer, but that's what people, you know, they understand. But, you know, he's a creator on TikTok. He's got 10.9 million. That's million um, subscribers. <laughs> And he does amazing work. So um, Alex Stempleski, did I get that right? You got it right. Boom. How's it going? Yeah, really I'm happy to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure, pleasure. So we're going to go deep into, you know, your art and, of course, how, you know, you've got such a huge following soon. Mm-hmm. But first off, tell us about life before you kind of blew up on TikTok. Take us wherever you want to go. Okay. Um, and for as long as you want, but life before you blew up. Okay. Um, I think, I think part of my transformation, part of my, uh, explosion on TikTok all started from being kind of a shy kid. Funny enough, like I'll, I'll explain how that evolves into my story, but I grew up being a very shy kid. Um, another important facet of my life was I was always very analytical. I love numbers. Um, I love statistics and math. Um, I went to UC Santa Barbara for college and I got my major in statistics. And I became an insurance actuary um, after that, after college. That was my first job. Um, so I was working an office job as an insurance actuary, which essentially is the most boring job in the world to most people. I sit on my desk, uh, I'm on a spreadsheet all day, just like analyzing numbers, analyzing risk for insurance policies. And that's what I did for five years. 
I thought that that's what life was. You you get an office job, you work there until you're 55 or 60, and then and then I guess life is over. Like I that was that was just how I was programmed to understand. Um, that's how life goes. And it wasn't until I started listening to Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, and he was uh, creating a lot of YouTube content explaining that you could live a life around your passion. You can make a career around your passion. And I didn't really have a passion. So I was just kind of listening to him. And he, so he sort of broke down my belief that I needed to sit in that office until I was 50 or 60. And um, one day I was so I was so bored with, with my work and my job that I bought a camera. And um, that's when everything changed. The day I got my camera, I ran outside. I lived in San Francisco. I ran straight to downtown San Francisco where there's a bunch of people walking around. And I started clicking photos of strangers because I needed to practice. I was so eager to learn. Um, my, the day I got my camera, I've been taking pictures of strangers, which is what I'm known for uh, today. That's how I built my brand. Um, and I love that. I, that. That's kind of what I did for a while. There's, there's a lot more to that story and how it turned into being this, this viral TikTok idea. But um, yeah, so I got my camera, started taking pictures of strangers. I was listening to Gary Vee. And he was all about post content, post tons of content. And that's what I did. I joined Instagram. I post every day. I posted a photo on Instagram. He, he talked about TikTok. And that's when really, uh, that's when things really took off for me is when he brought up TikTok in November or October, 2019. I jumped on it because I'm a very quick mover. I trusted him. I jumped on that app. I started posting within my first month. I had a million followers. Within wow. three months, I had 3 million followers. And then I was like, oh my God, I don't have to work this actuary job for the rest of my life. I can actually do this. And it was scary and I didn't know how I was gonna do it, but enough people were supporting me and telling me that it was possible now that I had this following that I just went for it. And that was, it's been almost a year now that I've been doing this full time. So Alex, just quickly, how old are you to put it into perspective? I'm 31. Okay, so I'm 42. And back when I was listening to my mentors on CD, <laughs> you know, not on audio books and podcasts, <laughs> yeah. they would say it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. But you've broken that mold. I mean, I know obviously there was leading up to that year, but in right. one year, why do you think it went so big in just one year from a standing start from zero to 10.9 million in like 14 months? Honestly, um, it's largely attributed to TikTok, which is um, a very unique app in that it can take you from zero to hero in a day. It can take you from a nobody, zero followers. No one knows your name. And within a month, a million people could be following you. There's no other app out there that can do that for you. I think Vine may have been the one app before TikTok that allowed that sort of overnight success. But that's why back in, you know, 10 years ago, it was true that it took you 10 years to become an overnight success. But that's not true anymore, thanks to apps like TikTok, which allow you to go viral, which allow you to uh, build a name for yourself with one video. Everyone, everyone's literally one video away from being someone online. And I actually had a question later. We may have answered this, so I'll just bring it here now. because I was going to ask you, why did TikTok go so massive, 10.9? Instagram's obviously big for you, but it's like mm -hmm. a tenth of the size. YouTube's still big by most people's standards, but that's like a twentieth of the size. 
Right. So why TikTok over all the others? Because Instagram's very much an image-based platform. You'd have thought that would have been the one for you. Yeah, it comes down to TikTok's ability to reach more people. On TikTok, your videos can be seen by literally millions of people, tens of millions of people. I had a video that reached 90 million people. With that one video, I grew almost 200,000 followers. On Instagram, it's not possible to reach that many people. So it's easier to grow on TikTok. I've grown the furthest because it allows that massive exposure, the ability to to reach so many people that don't follow you. Um, And, you know, getting people to migrate from platform to platform is always tricky. So if I gain 10 million on, on TikTok, only a fraction of those will actually take the steps to go to my Instagram and follow me there. So that's why I have like that, you know, only a fraction of my size on TikTok is on uh, is on Instagram. Mm. Yes. So I know I said this before we went live, Alex, but I'm going to say it again. But um, it was officially the conversation between you, Lewis and I that has inspired me to finally do TikTok. And I, I'm going to. Yes. Yes. And, you know, I, I will always honor you with that, Alex. Um, yeah. When I get to my 10th follower, Alex was the man. <laughs> Um, but one thing I would like to say, and maybe you can help us with this, Alex, is you know, a lot of people in the business world, the entrepreneurs world, like I'm in, we kind of think, well, we don't dance and sing. Mm-hmm. TikTok's not for us because of that. Mm-hmm. You know, is that a, a mistake for us to think that? Yes, absolutely. It's, I'm surprised there's still this misconception that TikTok is only for dancers, kids, blah, blah, blah. It's <clears throat> been proven time and time again now that that's not true. I have seen large TikTok influencers with millions of followers that do none of that stuff. They're <clears throat> I've seen grandmas on there with large followings. I've seen um, painters, like literally any single genre you can imagine, any single niche, anything that you could possibly imagine someone's into, you'll find a large TikTok account with that. It's for everyone by the, at this point. I was one of the first photographers to join that app. All of my photographer friends were, were making fun of me. They're like, why are you on that kid's app? Why are you on that dancing app? But I just listened to Gary Vee who said, look, platforms will always start with a specific uh, sort of group and type of people, but eventually it, it broadens and it becomes for everyone. So yes, it was for dancers originally, but slowly and surely it's gonna start being for more for everyone. And at this point, you could be doing anything on TikTok and, and going viral, building a following. Love it. So we're going to come to the viral element, the building, the following, the monetization element in a moment. I want to pick up on something you said, because it seems like an interesting paradox. You said, uh, I'm a shy kid and I went to take photos of strangers. That doesn't sound like the sort of thing a shy yeah. kid should do. Yet you've almost become famous for making strangers famous. So tell us about that funny paradox. Yeah, you know what a funny thing is? Um, I'm so nervous when I when I take pictures of strangers. I described my TikTok the other day as I'm documenting my own anxiety attacks for the world. Like people don't realize it, but I'm literally like in the middle of an anxiety attack most of the time that I walk up to someone. Um, part of the reason why I decided to take pictures of strangers, it sounds like a crazy idea, like who would do that? Why would you do that? Was the social challenge aspect of it. I wanted to not be shy anymore. I wanted to challenge myself. I was so sick of like being afraid of people. So I forced myself and it was, it was so scary. I, 
I remember the first time I couldn't get words out when I wanted to ask the the person to if I could take a photo of them. Like words wouldn't come out. I was so nervous, but part of why I love doing that is because I feel so accomplished afterwards to know that I I pushed through something that was so uncomfortable for me. There's so many reasons why I love taking pictures of strangers. You know, I get to give to the strangers. Um, I get to I get to push past my comfort zone. Um, the spontaneity of it, just like so many reasons. But like being a shy kid actually was what, like the catalyst for doing something like like this because I wanted to overcome that. So you've turned both your passion and your great fear into your profession. Yeah. How does that feel? It feels cool. I, it's it still almost hasn't hit me that this is my profession. Like I feel <laughs> like I'm gonna wake up and this was all a dream. Like it's unreal. <laughs> yeah, and what I love about your story, Alex, is it's unreal in a dream in that I think most people would love to turn their passion into their profession, but it's also really possible. Like it's yeah. a dream, but it's not unachievable a dream. Right. And if you think 30, 40 years ago, manual labor manufacturing they were your opportunities you, you never you wouldn't have a job as a, a photographer mm -hmm. or an editor or a videographer or an influencer or social media creator these things didn't exist and now you've got kids on youtube who aren't, aren't you know eight and nine years old making millions and people literally creating their passions and turning it into the profession so for me, this is the most exciting time because that's what I yeah. did as an entrepreneur. I love being an entrepreneur and I've been doing that for 15 years. Um, I'm sort of stuck in the generation because I've sort of got the, the, the older work ethic generation. Right. But, but I can just, I'm just about young enough to still sort of really understand the power of the Internet. So, mm -hmm. um, so let's talk about where you're planning to take it then. You know, you've got this brand. You've got 10.9 million followers it's a it's a real thing for you now it's a business where are you going to take it i want to take it to the next level um i want to be it's hard to describe i don't know i have a very big vision for 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 my future i want to be either myself like a household name or just what i'm doing my projects have that be like you know very well known sort of like humans of new york i'm not sure if you've heard of that instagram account but it's essentially um a man that approaches the humans of New York and he gets their story. This man built a following of 10 million followers on Instagram. Almost everyone in, in the States knows humans of New York. I want to reach that level. So my plan is to just keep grinding, keep growing, um, keep building my following and, and, and bring more awareness to what I'm doing because I want more people to see it. I want more opportunities to come from that. Um, so the overall vision is I, I, I want to be a household name, either myself or my brand or my projects. Well, I really hope that happens, and I'll, I'll be one of your top fans championing you along. Um, I'll obviously be watching your TikTok a lot more closely now. I'm, you know, playing the game of TikTok, so yeah, um, that, that's really great. Hi, it's Rob here, interrupting you with something you may not know about me. I was one of the few people on the planet hand-selected by Facebook to pilot their new supporter program. It's a very small premium model where you can get exclusive content and advance notice or discount of new products and services. So this is what I've done for you. Not only can you get best discounts, for any training that we might run. Not only do you get notified first of any launches we do, we also do supporter meetups, 
supporter dinners, supporter WhatsApp groups where you have a, a deeper community. I do supporter only Ask Me Anythings. I do supporter only content and podcasts. We have a community of 2,500 supporters and I'd love to give you the chance to be one of those. I believe this is the best supporter program in the whole world. Find me a better one, but I don't think you will. So the link is bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. That's bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. I believe the gap between free content and paid content is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. There's a lot of free content out there that's maybe not that good. And for just a few dollars a month, you can get the best content on business, on entrepreneurship, on starting up, on scaling up, on sales, on marketing, on the mindset of being an entrepreneur. So go to bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R right now. Um, so I do definitely want to talk about the business side of it uh, and the monetization side of it, if you don't mind. But first, yeah. the amount of content you put out there. So mm -hmm. have you been religious to do a piece of content a day for like 14 months? Is it important to be, you know, really consistent <clears throat> with that content, even if you think you've got a piece and you're like, oh, it's not my best? Yeah, consistency is so important. Like, my story, my journey to 10 million followers, I wasn't slacking. I was working hard, man. Ask anyone who I was, I was living with my, with my family for a while during the pandemic. Um, I was living with my girlfriend for a while. Ask, ask anyone who's ever been around me and they will tell you that I, I work nonstop. There's no breaks. I wake up, I work, I work until I go to sleep. I'm like, I'm creating content all the time. That's what it truly takes to build a following. I'm not just kind of like, oh, this is fun. This is like a cool thing. And uh, the followers are coming like, no, this is work. Like I'm working harder now than I was in my office job. I'm working like two to three times as many hours. Um, so to answer your question, um, you have to be consistent. If you, if you, it's better to post something than to not post anything. You just have to get content out there. It's all about producing mm -hmm. content, but you should strive to make that content as high quality as possible. So that's the balance. Mm. And do you mean high quality in terms of the production or high quality right. in terms of the <clears throat> message, you know, and, and the actual uh, content of the content? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, the production quality does not necessarily translate to a good video. So if you were to hire someone with a $10,000 budget and camera setup and all that fancy stuff, that does, that's not necessarily going to translate to a viral video because if the message isn't, isn't good, if the concept isn't viral, then the video is going to flop. But if you take uh, like an iPhone, which is you know, a standard camera, but you have a really good message, something that's really interesting, a viral concept, then that can do very well. So the production quality does not correlate to the video performance. Um, it all comes down to creating so what i mean by quality is just creating content that resonates and content that gets the engagement that allows the the algorithm to pick that video and and, and make it go viral um it, that's the hard part a lot of people post a lot of stuff and randomly they'll, they'll go viral but i like to be very intentional i like to to formulate my my videos so that i kind of know that they're going to perform well and it took a long time for me to figure out that formula I think a lot of people, they don't have that formula yet. So what I recommend is post so often that you start to piece together your own formula for a viral video. And then by quality, I mean, 
okay, make sure that each video you craft with as much in, deliberate intention of putting things in that video to make it perform well, right? So you're not just like, oh, I'm going to post something and, and hope it does well. You know, try to be intentional, try and do things on purpose to, to make sure it, your video does well. Okay, so I'd love to come to that formula in a moment. Um, but if you've got a piece of content, and you think, I'm not sure about this, it's not my best work, are you saying you'd still post it as opposed to nothing? Yes. And is this because it's like an ongoing lesson? You learn something from each post? That, yes, that for sure. Um, but also, a lot of people have gone viral with, their, with what they think is not their best work. There's a really cool story of a, a influencer named Dogface420. And this man posted a video that broke the internet. It's a video of him skateboarding, drinking a bottle of ocean spray, lip singing um, Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. Um, ocean spray decided to sponsor him for like his life or whatever, bottom of truck. Uh, Fleetwood Mac like um, duetted his video and did their own trend. Like this guy's famous. He has 3 million Instagram followers now. He just bought a house. He was living in a trailer before. And that one video that made all that happen, he almost didn't post it because he thought it was stupid. But he remembered something that Gary Vee said, which was just post it. You have to. If you create it, post it. Don't, don't judge your content yourself. Let the people, let the market judge it because they might love it even though you think it's stupid. I think that's a really important thing to say. Um, you know, I've mentored many entrepreneurs and you know the products and services that they think the market wants that they like they're mm -hmm. often not their ideal clients so they're giving the market yeah. what they want to give them as opposed to what the market want and i used to be an artist back in the day pretty bad one but often the, my the art that i just wanted to chuck in the bin that i thought was shit people would like and my favorite art that i did 15 years ago is still bloody hung up in my house because i couldn't sell it so I think mm -hmm. you make a great point about, and I guess it, when you've done enough of it, you know, like you said, you developed your own formula. When you've posted 300 videos, you've surely got this intuition, this sixth sense built with data yeah. and experience right. to, to bring into your next video. So each one of your videos should be better and better. Would that be fair? That's absolutely fair. But um, one thing that I think separates me from a lot of other creators, uh, an advantage I have was the fact that I, I mentioned my analytical mindset, my, my love for math and data. That has very much played into my ability to craft viral videos because I pay it so much attention to all the, the data I have from posting content. I look at the watch time, I look at the comments, I look at the shares. I try to break down and pinpoint the factors that make my video perform well by looking at all the past history, all the past data I have, and I use that information to inform all my future videos. I think a lot of creators don't do that. That comes naturally for me as being a statistician, someone who worked as an, a, an insurance actuary, where it was my job to look at the past to inform the future. I very much carry that skill into my content creation, which a lot of people don't realize. They just think I'm a photographer that's doing stuff and it's going viral, but no, it's, it's, very, it's very intentional. It's very... Uh, analytically like driven mm. that's like a perfect storm isn't it this sort of random old career you didn't really think would come to yeah. with this <laughs> right. new tiktok world how you fuse yeah it. hybridization really cool. i love hybridization you know some of my favorite mm. bands um one of my favorite bands when they blew up back in the day was rage against the machine and they brought rock and metal yeah, and you know a bit, of, a bit of hip hop they're a hybrid mm -hmm. brand 
understand. Yeah, yeah. And that made them very unique. Because you know people say all the time, oh, you can't be unique anymore. There's no, n- nothing new under the sun. Well, you can if you're a hybrid of different things. So yeah, really fascinating. Great. So let's talk about monetization of TikTok. So okay. what's your monetization strategies and tactics? How do you make a living out of TikTok? My forms of monetization that come directly from TikTok, number one is the TikTok Creator Fund. The TikTok Creator Fund essentially pays you per view on your video, but it doesn't pay that much. It's just like an extra little um, stream of income to give you a ballpark of what you can earn with the TikTok Creator Fund. Let's say you have a 4 million view video, you might make one to $200 from a 4 million view video, right? So, you know, I might make like one to $2,000 a month from the TikTok Creator Fund. Uh, The majority of my uh, money from TikTok comes from brand deals. An example of a brand deal is um, a brand would like to either advertise or showcase one of their products or services using your video. So you're essentially advertising or marketing for a brand. Um, So some examples that I've done, I've worked with a makeup company once and I showcased their makeup on one of my photo shoots. So 10 to 15 seconds of my TikTok video is the application of their makeup product and I tag them, right? So they get all the recognition uh, and awareness using my social media platform. So those are brand deals. Um, A brand deal for a creator of my size can be around five figures. So that's that's a pretty good um, income. It brings me to what I was making as an actuary already. So that's nice. And that's that's in TikTok alone. Oh, uh, another one is an audio promo. So an audio promo is when a musician or an artist would like for you to use their song. So, you know, if they if if, if a musician if I if I use someone's song in my video, I can get them like a million to two million, however many views I get, I, I get them that many listens. So a lot of musicians will message me and say, hey, I'd like for you to use my song in your video. And, you know, bare minimum, I would charge like $1,000 to use someone's song in my video, but that can add up. Um, so those are the three main sources that come from TikTok. Uh, I have some other sources. Actually, there's one that I'm working on. It's selling merchandise. Right now, TikTok is working on an integration with um, a platform called Teespring. Teespring manufactures merchandise for influencers. Um, you simply send them the, the design and they print it and do all the, all the other stuff. Um, what's cool about Teespring is that it's going to allow you to link in your TikTok video to your merchandise uh, website. Right now, you can't use any links in your TikTok videos. So it's really cool that you can have one of your TikTok videos advertise your merch, but also have a clickable link in that video. It makes for really uh, easy conversions and easy traffic to that merchandise site. So that would be a fourth one that I'm working on. Obviously, um, outside of TikTok, I have other streams of in, uh, revenue as a photographer. I do client shoots, digital products, and, and what have you. And has that work increased significantly since your TikTok has blown up? Um, the photo shoots, yes, I get a lot of, I, I have to turn them down at this point. Um, it's kind of a lot of work um, and that uh, it's hard to charge people the amount that I, I would want to do just a photo shoot. So I, I kind of just end up turning most of them down. But yeah, my, my inbox is flooded with photo shoot requests. Do you um, turn down many brand approaches? Because I've yeah. since been on Clubhouse. I mean, that's how we met, which is kind of cool. Clubhouse, you know, the social media is just cool. Uh, yeah. And we met there in a room. 
Um, and since then, I've had a lot of um, brand requests. And I've awesome. thought, I don't, yeah, it's kind of cool. But I mean, I've not got as big a following as you. I mean, obviously, my podcast is very big, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm not, I've not got millions of followers. But it's cool, yeah. But thankfully, I don't need the money because I've got you know business and property income streams. But I think I don't, I don't want to sell out. You know, like I, mm-hmm. I, I listen to some podcasts. Mm-hmm. I've you'll probably be episode 615, something like that. And I've probably done uh, one sponsorship deal and that probably went across 10 episodes. And that was for Blinkist, which is an audio program, which I listen to and I love. It's like Audible, but sure. Yeah. I like Blinkist, but, yeah. Yeah, I, I love it. But but all the other people that have come my way, I, do you want to sell mattresses on here? Do you want to sell this sort of auto robots, you know, stock exchange investment thingy? I'm like, no, no. Have right. I done the right thing? Because, you know, I probably could have made seven figures from my podcast in terms of, you know, because I've done 615 mm-hmm. episodes, just, you know, not a huge amount right. per episode to hit seven figures. But I, I didn't, I, I don't know, maybe that's the artist and the rage against the machine in me. I, I just didn't want to ruin my piece of art. Have, have I done the wrong thing? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I, I'm very cautious with the brand deals that I select because um, I don't want to, just as you're saying, like, I don't want to disrupt my brand and my art with like having ads everywhere. So I'm very selective. If it's in line with with my content already, like the makeup brand deal, that actually amplified my content. I got to give a stranger a cool uh, makeover and it, it actually improved my content. So I look for synergies. I look for mm. brand deals that actually improve my content or add something rather than take away from it. So I'm very yeah. selective. I might do like one to two per year. So I, I don't think you've done the wrong thing. I would I would do the same I, I am doing like the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Because I suppose it's like dating. You just got to wait for the right one to come along, haven't you? <laughs> Have the faith that the right one will come along. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So I've got a few more sort of deep, uh, longer questions, but thought I might change up the pace here, Alex, if you don't mind, have a bit of fun. Um, yeah. So in the last sort of 50 episodes, every now and again, we introduce what we call the cheeky round. And it's just some cheeky fun <laughs> questions. Feel okay. free to decline if I've pushed the line, um, but it's a okay. cheeky round, so it should be fine. We'll All right. Good. So, in your work, not personal life, but in your work, what's the weirdest thing that's happened to you? Weirdest thing that's happened in my work. Um, okay, so what do I do? The answers have to be quick. No, no, no. It's up, up to you. We're good. We've got thirty-one minutes okay. left. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. All right. The, the, the thing that came to mind when you said that was I was doing a stranger photo shoot with um, I, I met a, a girl walking down the street with her father and I had a, a challenge like a dare challenge in mind for my photo shoot. So I approached the I approached the family and I told them the dare, which was to light off a smoke bomb right in the middle of downtown San Francisco. Um, so it's kind of an intense challenge. Right. So they agree. We walk to like this downtown street. Uh, part of San Francisco. And as I'm explaining to rip how to rip the smoke bomb apart to, to light it off, um, the girl, Annalee, her dad was uh, also talking to her, right? So she's getting bombarded with, with all this information and it's already kind of a high stress situation. So she turns to her father and goes, shush, daddy. And like shushes her dad right in front of me. And like, I was like, whoa, I've never heard someone like shush their dad like that. So I was a little taken aback by it. Uh, I didn't think much of it, um, but I ended up putting that part in the TikTok video, the TikTok result, and the comments 
on that video just exploded because this girl shushed her dad and like half of the people lost it. And they're like, I can't believe someone would do that. What is wrong with kids these days? I mean, thousands and thousands of comments, like maybe 10,000 comments were left on that video. Um, and half the people absolutely loved her because she's kind of bold and she had this really cool outfit on too. Um, a week later, that video went so viral that she went from essentially zero followers to 100,000 followers on TikTok, basically made an internet sensation overnight. Uh, <laughs> the way we did that was as soon as we caught on to the fact that people were really into this fact that she shushed her dad, I was like, Annalie, do you see what's going on? She's like, yeah, I already changed my bio to I am the shush girl. So she was like, she, she liked the idea. She liked the attention. So I said, okay, let's make a follow-up video where it's all about you being the shush girl. So I made three videos for her. They each got like 30 million views and she, ex she exploded to a hundred thousand followers all for shushing her dad. I just thought that was the, the craziest thing. <laughs> I wonder what a poor dad thinks about all this. I, I met, I met with them again and like he, he wasn't offended. That's kind of like the relationship cool. they had. They, they had a very loving relationship. There was no like, bad yeah. uh stuff there but the dad was like he was like this is cool like she's getting <laughs> getting famous from it <laughs> yeah that's great yeah, that was... i want to i want to come a bit later to dealing with all the negative comments so i'm glad you reminded me there but carrying on with the cheeky round um what pisses you off the most about tiktok uh what pisses me off the most about tiktok um ah uh, this is kind of a i just gotta be honest all right so what really pisses me off is the fact that People are so, people feel so entitled to have their videos get views. Like I saw a video where this guy had 100,000 followers and he went on a rant bitching about TikTok, you know, like F TikTok, all this, I'm not getting any views. This is the worst app ever. I have all these followers and I'm not getting views. Like F you TikTok, screw you. And I'm like, what, where is your entitlement coming from? Like, why are you mad at this app? You should be mad about the fact that your content is just not good enough to get the views. You're, you should not feel entitled to getting views. Like we all have to compete against each other to get our views on the For You page. Like TikTok doesn't owe you views because you had a video that went viral and, and got you a following. That really, that really annoys me. Like the fact that people get so entitled about, oh, this app owes me my views. Where are my views? I'm so mad at this app. Like it's a free app. It doesn't owe you anything. You need to work for those views and make better content. Stop complaining. I actually think that's good life advice outside of TikTok, Alex, as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I always find it funny as well that they bitch and moan about the platform on the platform. It, <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know. Just scratch my head on that one. Okay, great. All right. This is slightly more cheeky but you're going to be honest. Have you ever scored or been propositioned because of your TikTok <laughs> your videos? Uh, it's possible. You know, I, I try not, I, I, I'm very careful about um, separating my personal life with like what I'm doing on the internet. So whether or not there have been some propositions, I, I always, I never let my mind go there. I always go, they're just reaching out for the photos. This is not about, you know, me or like a proposition. Like, so I, Either it's it, maybe it's happened, but I, I won't let myself see it that way because I would never ever risk like tarnishing or or ruining what I built, um, you know, just to meet a lady. Like I, I can meet them elsewhere, so I completely separate the, the two the two worlds. Yeah, 
That was a very diplomatic answer. I like that, Alex. <laughs> um, if you could hack anyone's social media account, who would it be and why? Ooh, Mr. Uh, ooh. Uh, my mind went to Mr. Beast because he, to me, I, I consider him the viral king. Like he understands how to make viral content, I think, better than anyone else. And for that reason, I would just like to dive into his analytics, understand like why why are his videos getting 30 million plus views every time on YouTube? It's absolutely ridiculous. YouTube's the hardest platform to go viral on. So the fact that he can do it there and consistently and at the magnitude that he's doing makes me think that he's the the viral king. And I would want definitely want to hack his account and just like <laughs> get my hands on that data and see what I can learn. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. Um, in total, how much money have you made from TikTok? And you can say exact or ballpark, whatever you want, or decline, I don't mind. Yeah, you know, I would have to add it up. It's hard to say. I know that I started in February last year, so it's been less than a year, and it was very slow at, at first. Um, and also the pandemic hit, which really took a, took a blow to my, my brand deal. So I don't know, I don't know. I wanna, I wanna estimate uh, anywhere between like, maybe 50 to 70,000, somewhere in that range, just from TikTok. Um, but yeah, that doesn't include like, what's that? Year one. Yeah, good. yeah, year one. So mm. I'm, I'm happy with that. I, the number could be off, I'd have to add stuff up, but um, it's been going well and I, I foresee it just going better since you know I'm, I'm getting more established and learning, learning things better. Mm. Great, right, well, we navigated the cheeky round. Thanks, Alex. So yeah. back into the main content. So you say you've got this formula that you've worked out and, you know, uh, getting a viral video or the main elements of a video and would be really great if you could share some elements of that, elements of the content and, you know, maybe the, the, the editing, et cetera, the timing. I don't know anything you could share. Right, right, right. Okay. I'm going to lay out my formula for making a viral video. This is all very – my. I'm very intentional with, with everything that I do to make my content, right? So the breakdown of one of my TikTok videos to make it go viral goes like this. We all know that I take pictures of strangers, right? So how do I turn that concept into a TikTok video? Well, I like to break that down into certain parts. We have the approach, which is me finding the stranger. We have the behind the scenes, which is me taking their pictures. And then we have the results. Um, that's the order that I show my content in. I show the approach, I show the, um, the behind the scenes, and then I show the result. The reason for that to start with um, the, the, the order there is because I want the goal of creating content on TikTok is to make sure people watch the whole video. Watch time is really, really important. So if I show a process that has a result at the end, a lot of people will have no other choice but to watch till the end of my video. So by withholding something that they wanna see until the very end of my video, I'm, I'm, I'm maximizing my watch time. I'm getting people, I'm forcing them to watch the whole thing. So that's why that order is, is very important. And that's why my content does well is because I can really get that watch time simply because people watch my videos with so much anticipation, they're like, God, I want to see the photos. I want to see the photos. I have to make it to the end. So that that formula to start with is really effective at getting the watch time. 
um, which helps the video do well. Within that though, the next thing that I focus on um, are the first one second, extremely important, and the first three seconds. So the first one second of my video, I go so far as to starting my video at a specific video frame where something exciting is happening. Um, I want not only the first second to be interesting, but I take the first frame, like the first still photo of my video clip, I make sure that something interesting is happening. Like if someone just saw a photo of the very first frame on my TikTok video, they'd be like, wow, what's about to unfold here? So I go into that much detail. Like I'm looking for that, that viral first frame where someone will see that on their For You page and go, oh, something exciting is happening. So that's usually like me right about to approach a stranger or me running at someone, um, you know, so, like action, something exciting. That's really important. Uh, the next three seconds, I have to make sure that I got, I have to get people past that first three seconds. I have to sell them on the rest of the video in that first three seconds. So um, it's usually me approaching a stranger and I try to capture some emotion on their face during that initial approach. Like I want them to be like, you know, shocked or like, like kind of scared or like, oh, who are you? Like I want to, I want to get people interested in seeing what's about to unfold. So that first three seconds, I'm just trying to hook people. Uh, I, want, I want to hook people so they make it to the rest of the video. So once I've hooked them, uh, we get to the behind the scenes and that part's fairly simple and straightforward. My thought process behind the behind the scenes is I want to now sell people on wanting to see the results. So I want to show behind the scene clips so that people watch and go, oh my God, I wonder what that photo is going to look like. If I, if I succeed in that, then I'm going to get people watching till the end to see the, the results. So I'm just picking clips that um, I feel are going to sell the, you know, wanting to see the results. Um, then at the end, I may or may not show the results and I can touch on, you know, the difference between the two, but yeah, I'll save the results for the end or I'll just not show them and I'll make them wait for a part two video, which is a really successful strategy um, for a lot of reasons. But yeah, other than that, within the video, I'm also telling a story. So I like to tell stories in my video because one of the main facets of a viral video is the fact that people will feel emotions when they watch it. So by telling a story in my video, I'm able to pull on heartstrings. I'm able to make people feel something so that um, they watch the whole thing. But emotions will also lead to the other important forms of engagement like shares comments. People share videos because they feel things. The last time you shared a video with someone, they probably felt something. They probably laughed. They were shocked. It was something they never seen before. They were motivated. You have to make someone feel something in order for them to share, to comment, to like, right? So I'm telling a story to try and draw out the emotions that are in my video. Last but not least, we have the song. I try to use a song that amplifies the emotion I'm going for that carries that emotion that really sells that emotion so I, I spend a lot of time just picking the right song um so that's my that's my strategy in a nutshell there's definitely a lot of nuances and other things that i add in there but that's like the overarching like baseline uh thought process for my videos well i want to thank you for sharing your formula because it's your formula but you've been very open in sharing it so mm -hmm. thank you for that is yeah. there anything with the comments do you ever engage in the comments um, I like to respond to comments within the first 20 minutes to an hour just to show people that, you know, I'm here with you. Like, um, I care about my followers. I respond, but I, I won't, I can't reply to all of them. There's too many. 
you know, yeah. I, I'd spend all day if I were to comment to everyone. Yeah. Okay. And that question about the, the hate, because you said, you know, you got that one shush girl and there was quite a lot of criticism. So how do you handle all the hate? Because let's be honest, you know, when there's a million views, there's always hate. When you're on social media, there's yeah. always hate. Um, I was talking right. to Grant Cardone today and he says, actually, it's, it's the haters that make him the most money. They're great for his brand. So sometimes hmm. he says, no, I'd like you to like me, but I'd kind of prefer you to hate me. It's kind of interesting. Um, wow. how, do you, how do you compartmentalize the hate? You know, do, do you read it? Do you get affected by it? Do you just not look at it at all? Has it ever bothered you? Yeah, that's, um, that's a great question. My strategy for dealing with hate, um, this morning, actually, I, I had a hate comment that definitely kind of stung a little bit. Someone was talking about the color grading in my video and how they thought it was really crappy, right? So my gut reaction was, you know, obviously pain and hurt from hearing that, right? I was, I was mentally affected by that, and I wanted to reply to him. But I think that's where most people go wrong, is they, they give, they allow that comment and something to waste their time. Because I made the decision after I realized that I wanted to reply, I, I kind of caught myself and said, why? Why, why, why do I need to waste my time explaining to this guy why he thinks my, um, my color grading is crap? Like, I don't have time for that. If you think it's crap, cool, that's fine. I'm not, I don't feel the need to reply to that, to explain myself, to, to prove, to, to explain why, you know, I messed up or whatever. So my strategy has always been to just ignore. I don't give it any air. I just let them swing their punches at nothing. And eventually they tire themselves out. I mean, I have a lot of stories with uh, hate groups. Groups of photographers have, have banded up to try and cancel me and take me down because I came out of nowhere. I had an epic rise. I developed a lot of haters in the photography community that did not like what I was doing. They did not like seeing me succeed. So they, they grouped together and they wrote a lot of articles about me on the internet. They were always on Twitter and all these other like Reddit, like just trying to trying to bring me down. But I never responded. I never replied. I, I just I I knew that it would just amount to a waste of time and a waste of mental energy. Like just let them go, let them be, let them hate. They're literally just going to swing punches at nothing until they get tired, and that's exactly what happened. They all fizzled out. Um, so by replying, you're just prolonging that hate process. You know, you're not going to change a hater's mind. So I just don't reply. Mm. Uh, even if you think it's really unfair, are you ever tempted? Okay, so if they say something that's outright like false, I will correct them, right? If they if they say something about me that's just absolutely incorrect, um, I'll reply just to correct them and set things straight. But I'm not replying to like argue or or prove them wrong. Uh, well, yeah, I'm not I'm not replying to argue or start something. I just want to say like you know, for the record, you're incorrect about this. You know, the, the truth is that. Um, but I, I just do that more just for like damage control and protect my reputation. I don't want someone leaving a false comment about me. Like I'll correct them. But if it's something about like an opinion, like, oh, your work sucks. Never again. I'm never going to reply to something like that. No. You talked about a group trying to cancel you. And, yeah. you know, the whole word of cancel and cancel culture, it's on many people's lips, isn't it? Especially in America. Um, mm -hmm. you, I've never seen anything political about you or from your mouth, Alex, on social from the short time that I've known you. But obviously, I've had a good look and done some good research. 
But what do you think yeah. about this cancel culture? And, you know, of, of course, Donald Trump lost 80 odd million on one channel, 80 odd million on another channel. Um, should he have, you don't have to talk specifically about Donald Trump, it's just of the moment, but right. is it fair that people get canceled? What do you think about it? That's a great question. You know, I don't, I don't really have uh, a strong opinion on cancel culture right now. I still don't really understand it. I've still, you, you always hear that someone gets canceled, but you end up seeing them a week later. And it makes me think like, what can, can someone get canceled? Like, what does that, what does that mean? Is, is being canceled just an attempt to make someone look bad, but not, not actually like a concrete, like this person is done, their career's over. Like, I don't really, I don't really understand like what it means to be canceled anymore. Like I, uh, I, so I'm not sure. I, I'm really not sure. I, I just think it's, if anything, I feel like people just don't seem to actually get canceled when they get canceled. You always see them again, which is, uh, you know, it makes me not really understand the whole thing at all. Okay. So you're Donald Trump. You've got 80 million followers on Facebook or 80 million followers on um, Twitter and both your accounts are shut down, um, but they're not back yet. Um, is that right or wrong? And I don't want to talk about Donald Trump per right. se, anyone. Um, mm -hmm. Or where's the line? Right. Okay. Um, that's a great question. I think it depends on the situation and what the person did for them to, for someone to have their social media account be shut down. I feel like there would need to be a, a really strong reason, but I, I haven't thought about what reasons should allow for someone to lose their, their social media account. I haven't put a lot of thought into that, so I'm not, I'm not sure what the answer is there. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have a lot of thoughts on that topic. Well, I can imagine you could spend weeks thinking about it and be just as unclear. Yeah, exactly. Okay, great. So um, in 12 minutes, I'm starting a clubhouse room because my life has changed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I want to, in advance, thank you for your time, Alex. It's been really fun. Really, really fun. It's very mm -hmm. much slightly different kind of interview than I normally do. I normally interview billionaires and, you know, sort of your traditional entrepreneurs. And, and hopefully right. for you, it's been something different as well from your normal content. So I just want to say yeah. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. I did too. I'm going to start joining more of your rooms on podcasts because, uh, you know, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, I'm just curious to hear more about that. So uh, I'll see you around on clubhouse. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I'm going to watch your, your, your podcast more because my goal for this year is to make a million dollars. Um, so I'm all, that's why I'm on clubhouse is to learn, you know, I've built the following, during that time, I ignored monetizing because I wanted to focus on content and followers. But mm. now I'm ready to learn monetizing. So I'm in Clubhouse learning from all you guys out there. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Are we okay to do a super quick fire? This is normally quite fun. Yes. All right. So as short as you like. Um, number one, what's your highest viewed video and why was it your highest viewed video? 90 million view video. I call her the no girl. I approached her. She said no. And then her friend was like, hey, do you know who she, he is? I showed her my TikTok following. She saw the followers. She changed her mind to yes. We did the photo shoot. She loved the photos. People went crazy because she said no and changed her mind because of the followers. And it was, it was a big thing, 90 million views. Wow. 
Um, next question could be the same answer or different. What's your best piece of work and why? I would say my best piece of work was one of my first viral videos. I walked into a store. I found a nice family. I asked the mom if I could take a photograph of her daughter. And within five minutes, we executed the whole photo shoot, which was um, a really creative shot where she held a rose up to a window. And I asked her to think of someone she misses. So there was a lot of, a lot of real emotion in her eyes. And um, the fact that it was one of my first stranger photo shoots, the fact that the whole thing took five minutes to get amazing photos, and the fact that it got like, you know, 30 million views, I think that was my best work. I mean, it really kind of uh, solidified me as, you know, a good content creator. Great. Um, what does personal brand mean to you? Huh. A personal brand means people, uh, I think a personal brand means that people have an understanding of what you're all about, you know, who you are, what your message is, who, who you are, who you truly are, your true authentic self. Um, it's, I never articulated this before. It's the, it's, your personal brand is how you like present that, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Um, so many podcast interviewers use this same question. What advice would you give your younger self? I'm going to flip it. What advice would you give your older self? Okay. What advice I would give my older self? Um, I would probably tell my older self to be balanced, work hard, but like understand that you know, you need to take some breaks too. So just, you know, balance, balance yourself. Okay. Um, what's the best advice you can ever remember receiving? Uh, the best advice. I don't know. I wasn't a really advice. It was something someone said to me. Uh, it was one of my coworkers. Uh, my first job out of college, I went door to door selling. Um, I wasn't selling, I was signing people up for uh, solar panel estimates. And one of my coworkers, he was very, he was very honest with me. And I, I was explaining a lot of my, the problems I was going through. And he said, Alex, uh, you're kind of a little bitch. <laughs> That's what he told me straight to my face. I'm like, wow, no one's ever, you know, had the balls to tell me that. So thank you. You're right. I want to change that. I want to work on that. And like, that was kind of a, a pivotal point in my life. That one phrase, because I'm like, wow, no one's ever been so honest with me. Like I want to, I want to change that. Um, so it wasn't even advice. It was, some, uh, someone <laughs> talking some smack on me, but it was, I needed to hear it. <laughs> uh, what's the worst advice you can remember receiving? The worst advice I can remember here, uh, probably, I think someone, uh, it would probably have to do with anyone saying that social media is a waste of time, that there's no power in it, that it's too saturated, it's not for you anything around that is just the worst advice I've ever heard because the, op the opposite is true. It's life changing. Mm. Um, is there one thing that's wrong in the world that you would like to change or be changed? I don't think that anything's wrong in the world. I think, I think, uh, I believe that everything happens for a reason where anything that's quote unquote wrong is probably necessary for transformation. Like a lot of people thought and think that, you know, the hard, hardest year 2020 um, was wrong or bad, but, you know, there's takeaways, things to be learned from that. So 
I think we need wrong. I think we need pain and, and suffering in order to transform and, and to, to have realizations. So for that reason, like, I don't think anything's wrong, unfortunately, even though at surface level, it seems wrong, but sometimes we need that to like learn, learn from it. Love it. Um, if there's one person on the planet, if I was interviewing them on this podcast, you would even stop in the middle of a photo shoot to come and watch them. Who would that person be? Ah, uh, man, it's got to be the guy that changed everything for me. So Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, he's just, man, his advice is always spot on for me. It's always worked. Love it. And final one, this podcast is called The Disruptive Entrepreneur. I have loads of people who are big into social media who, who follow the podcast. What does that word disruptive mean to you? Disruptive means to break down a pattern. Anything that people expect, um, disruptive means okay, you think it's going to go this way. You think it should be done that way, but nope, I'm going to flip that on its head. I'm going to do it this way. I love disruption. I disrupted the photography community by not photographing famous people, celebrities. I took nobodies. I took people with zero following, people that have never modeled. You know, that was a disruption in, in the pattern of photography. Um, so I think disruptive is like people think things are going that way, but nope, it goes another way. You just completely like shut down the how they envision things happening love it alex where can we follow you as if is there anyone left on the planet that doesn't follow you on tiktok <laughs> yeah so for the for the 80 million people left to, so that i can catch up to charlie d'amelio i'm alex.stemp on tiktok i'm alexander the great on instagram um yeah as for the other channels uh i can't even remember them right now but tiktok alex.stemp instagram Alexander the Great. I've had so much fun, Alex. Thank you for giving your time. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been fun. I can't wait to see you on TikTok, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I did two today. It was today. You did. Today's a big day. I got to follow you. What is, what, is your, uh, what is your TikTok? I'll follow you right now. Um, I, haven't, I haven't done a video for eight. The, lo the only video that actually got a few views was when I broke down in my Lamborghini in the middle of the road and just did a pan shot of it with the police behind me. And that actually uh, got a lot of views. Um, nice. I, I'll, I'll message it to you. I haven't even logged in. I, 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 I was one of those guys that like TikTok isn't for, you know, the business yeah, yeah. entrepreneur space. But, you know, I've smashed that out the way. So um, I'll have one more following after this. That's good. But, yeah, be lovely to, get lovely, to, um, lovely to help you with your podcast. Look forward to seeing you in the rooms. And maybe you could um, give me a little bit of critiquing on my TikToks because – yeah. It's not, not, not normal content for me, so I'm doing something very different. So hopefully it'll work. Yeah, I would love to brainstorm some uh, TikTok ideas with you. I already got some in mind. So um, yeah, I'll see you on, around on Clubhouse. Uh, thanks so much for having me. This was really fun. I, I really appreciate it.